folks well you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it means it's time for another week of the rec poker podcast i'm so excited to be here if you don't know about rec poker we're a group of amateur poker players we're recreational players but we love to win we like to learn together we study together we share our victories we commiserate our losses uh, and we mostly just share our love of poker with the rest of the recreational poker world uh, most of what we do here is volunteer. Most of it's free. So I got to uh, thank our sponsors. I could spank our sponsors, but I'm going to thank them instead. The Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino and uh, Mark Pershawn over at Website Amp. Uh, but we also rely heavily on our Wrecking Crew members and our premium members here at Rec Poker. Being a premium member is a great way to show your support. Uh, folks like CJ Rudnicki. I haven't actually met Shea Rudds in, um, yet, but I might get a chance to hook up with him at uh, Running Aces this weekend. Um, but I really do want to thank CJ for his support over the years. It helps us out a lot, keep the lights on around here, and helps us putting out this awesome free content here on the Rec Poker Podcast. So um, without further ado, uh, I'm your host, Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home game. We've got producing co-host Chris Jones over here as well. You can find out about him and me and everyone else on the Wrecking Crew by going to rec.poker slash crew. But Chris, why don't you just tell them where they can find you? You can find me. I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5B5 on Twitter or 5x5 on the Poker Stars home game. And I've got the best job in the world. I just get to hang out here every week and talk to luminaries in the poker world. Uh, do it free on YouTube live. If you're uh, listening to the podcast, feel free to come check us out on YouTube every Monday night. And we also do a draw, a free prize at the end of uh, the show. And tonight we're giving away a copy of the Poker Guys book, How Can He Fold? So uh, we'll have a little contest at the end and people can get involved in that. Um, and so, yeah, if you're watching along on YouTube, like Ben Enslow from Nova Scotia, then type your chat questions in there. Otherwise, I'm just going to fire away at these guys because we got them. We got him, gang. We got him here in the booth. It's Jonathan Levy and Grant Dennison, the poker guys from The Breakdown. Welcome to the Rec- Welcome back to the Rec Poker Podcast, and thanks for coming back on the show, guys. We're, thanks a lot. It's, we're super happy to be here. Now, you're calling in from uh, Oregon. Is that what I heard earlier? A couple of West Coasters just chilling out, Maxon, on, uh, uh, in Oregon styles. That's awesome. Um, what's- yeah, can't you tell from Missouri? <laughs> <laughs> you do have a very Oregon vibe to yeah. you, That's true. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just as I would have drawn you up. Uh, so <laughs> I've been really enjoying your podcast recently, and we won't, we won't tease it. So the breakdown, two poker guys, the poker guys. I got to say, you guys have a bit of a branding issue here. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of different terms out there to refer to you guys. How, how do you kind of consider your own role in the poker world when it comes to this sort of thing? Are you podcast hosts? Are you content creators? Are you players who also enjoy podcasting? If, if a friend was to ask you your relationship to the poker world, how would you answer? That's always a difficult question for me to answer because it is, as you said, complex. Um, I would say before beginning the poker guys, which is what we go by two poker guys is just the only Twitter handle that was available when we created our Twitter, <laughs> Twitter handle. Um, uh, I was a fully professional poker player and I believe Jonathan would say he was as well. Um, and since the poker guys became a thing that made a little bit of extra money on the side, I would say semi-professional poker player until the pandemic, at which time I was not a poker player at all until recently. Now I'm once again, somewhat a poker player. So that's the longest answer ever. And that's the best I got. It's, it's impossible to discern exactly what it is. Yeah, wow. That fair. was, that was like the worst ad for our podcast. <laughs> 
Holy moly. He didn't um, say make a good ad for your podcast. Well, you know, that's why you go on shows. Do you want me to make a good ad for the podcast? podcast? I'll make a good ad for the podcast right now. I'll make I'll make one right now. Two men. Go ahead. Two men in the Pacific Northwest found cards and found poker and destroyed the world. That's basically right. the podcast. Yeah. That I was listen. good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, you you left out and found each other and then you know where's that uh, yeah well you friendship. know not everybody's not everybody's as accepting as the pacific northwest jonathan you have to remember that <laughs> we are not in a relationship grant anyway um so uh yeah so to answer your question i i view myself i'm going back to actually trying to answer the question now so kind of you jonathan just uh, I uh, I think of myself actually as a poker content person first now, mostly. Um, I burned out on poker in 2016 or so, having been a professional for a solid eight to 10 years um, and now play, you know, once or twice a week kind of a thing and take it seriously for sure. But I'm not playing for a living, which I mm-hmm. used to do. So mm-hmm. so I see myself more as if, I, if I'm saying what's my career within the poker world anyway, it's this it's being a poker guy. Nice. Well, we've got some questions coming up in the YouTube chat, but Chris, I know you've got one. Why don't you jump? Well, I mean, I, cause you mentioned the sort of like finding each other and I don't think I've ever heard you even talk about on it, the the origin story of sort of like how, 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 how even it came about, how did you find each other? How did, how did you say, Hey, let's start a podcast. How, how, how did that come about? Luckily we've told this story about 50 times. So it's pretty easy to to remember, (laughs) I think. Um, So First of all, in any poker playing pool, unless you're in one of the major poker destinations, if you consider yourself one of the better players and, and you're correct about it, there's often not too many peers. Um, I saw Jonathan as a peer. That was one thing. But there there was kind of a snafu that happened to begin the whole thing where uh, if you're a listener to The Breakdown, you will have heard us mention our friend Robert Brewer, who's my college roommate and an excellent poker player himself. Just a really friendly guy. And he was sitting next to Jonathan in one of the bigger tournaments in Portland at the time. And I knew who Jonathan was and I had played with him and I walked over to check on my friend, Robert. And the next day we were driving to Pendleton, Oregon, which is where a series happens uh, two or three times a year. Um, and I was driving in my car and, and Robbie just said to me, Hey, you know, Jonathan, right? And I was like, Oh yeah, Jonathan. Yeah. He's like, Hey, he, he needs a place to stay in Pendleton and a ride. Do you want to bring him along? And like, how can I say no? But it's just like this guy I barely know. And my friend has invited him for like four nights, five hours away and a, a five hour drive each way. And it was a horrible idea, but it ended up working out. You know, we, we jived. It was fine. Yeah. Then he, then and then Grant decided, part, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's what happened. Uh, and then Grant decided uh, about six months later that him and I should actually him, me and Rob should start a uh, poker coaching business, mm. in Portland, which we did. And then like three months after that, I think he said we should start a podcast to promote the poker coaching business. And so we did that. And then we sort of fell into what we are now. And here we are all these years later, we do a little bit of coaching, but we are podcasters and video people primarily, you know, content creators ultimately. And, and during the pandemic, you kind of even grew into being comment. You did commentary for the world series. um, And you do poker time, which is your, your, your YouTube show. I'm wondering, um, you know, do you see that as something that you're trying to pursue further? Or was that kind of a one-off pandemic sort of commentary thing? Or is that is that something you enjoyed? Is that something you might pursue more of? I don't think 
I, I at least I don't know what Grant feels. I, there was a point when I was more interested in that. I'm less interested in pursuing that for a bunch of reasons. One is it's not actually that interesting to do, in my opinion. Like you say a lot of the same things over and over. It's a lot of the same situations repeatedly. There's very few like really interesting hands that happen as opposed to what we do in our job, which is people. So for those of you, for the listeners who don't know, we have our own podcast. People send in and suggest hands that have been played on TV or on YouTube or something. And um, and they're only really interesting hands, hands that they don't really understand why it happened or something incredible happened. And we watch those hands and then we do our best to analyze them and break them down and figure out why the players made the decisions they made. And so we've spent a lot of time analyzing the best players in the world and their decision making process. So that's been really interesting to do. So to me, commentary is not that, you know, commentary is sort of the opposite mm -hmm. of that. There's very few really interesting hands. A lot of it's very standard. So that's part of it. The other part of it is that I feel like our style doesn't really work well for a mainstream commentary thing anyway. We really have to be a little more buttoned down, me especially, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, so Greg could no. probably do it a little bit easier than me. Um, but I don't know if it's really my calling, man. I feel like I got to be, I got to let my freak flag, freak flag fly. That's what I'm trying to say. Grant, how about you? Uh, yeah, I am mostly in agreement with that, except like doing poker time is fun, but that's, you know, we're the bosses of poker time. So we get to decide yeah. if it's okay to just, spend four minutes rambling about sandwiches or whatever the hell we want to talk about. That's not going to fly on the EPT or anything like that. Um, there was a time when I think it was party poker actually had a contest to submit commentary to, to like, they're looking for commentators. I don't think they ended up choosing anybody and they gave four hands or something to do commentary on, which we did. And we think we actually had quite a good job. And we actually had other people who submitted for the contest saying, no, they should be the ones, not us who get picked because we did such a good job on that. But they just never got back to us. That was like the one time, the one moment when that might have happened for us. Um, but it's not something that we actively pursue. Yeah. It was fun to do the World Series of Poker uh, last year. That was interesting. But also, similarly, like in the end, it was like, hey, everyone plays crazy tight at the World Series of Poker final tables. And, you know, everyone's just going to fold a lot, mostly. And then every so often, a really interesting hand would happen. Christine Bicknell might play a really interesting hand, which she did once or twice. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of it is me and Grant entertaining each other, like we do anyway. You know, that, <laughs> and I don't know how, how much that is really what people tune into, like, you know, a WPT final table for. They shouldn't be tuning in for that. I don't tune in for that. Right. Yeah, good point. Chris, did you have anything else there? You, you jumped to some audience ones, and I'll, I'll yeah. jump back in. So we've got a couple of some fun uh, comments here from uh, Type Login and Ben. So Ben uh, says, first of all, oh, my God, Grant's hair is awesome. So, yes, it's yes. one of the perks of doing these on YouTube. You get to see these guys <laughs> in all their glory, right? Yeah. Uh, no, you're definitely living in Oregon, Grant. That's excellent. I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm not allowed to leave the state, actually. Not, not while I look like this. Also, again, that selling weed to high school thing is part of it, I think. <laughs> Is that frowned well, upon in other parts they, of America? They told me they told me they were 18. Is that <laughs> I told these guys we're doing this live today when we come on the air, so we're gonna have some fun with them, I think. So yeah. that that brings me to one of my questions, actually. Because I've listened to all your episodes. You guys uh, do a great job breaking hands down. Um, how do you just practically speaking, how do you handle the complete absence of chemistry between the two of you? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, so we have to, speaking of weed, we have to you know, <laughs> become deeply inebriated uh, using different substances 
Uh, Jonathan, <laughs> you could probably tell, is more of an amphetamine type of guy. But anything that was, that's really an upper will get that's, him going. That's clear to me. Yeah, yeah, I just like to get just completely plastered, and and then the chemistry kind of works together. You know, mm, you know, I'm just nice. slurring my words, and Jonathan is is like licking the the wallpaper and trying to <laughs> not to freak out. It works well. That's a real natural zig and zag. I can see how that yeah. I can see how that could come together nicely. Um, uh, Joe wants to know what do you look for in a tag team partner? Kind of a related question. We're doing uh, we did a promo earlier where uh, a Rec Poker Premium member is going to be my tag team partner in the bracelet event coming up next week, <laughs> and uh, so I didn't get to choose. I got a great partner anyway. Uh, but what, how, how would you think about that? Is what kind of strategy would go into choosing a tag team partner or even how to like split up what hands you might play or something like that? I think the first thing that comes to mind is mutual respect. So, I mean, that actually works when I think about the podcast that we do too. So mm. Grant and I sometimes take really different um, approaches to hands at times and disagree with each other, sometimes vehemently about what someone did or what someone should have done or what we think is right or wrong in a particular hand. But we always ultimately have a foundation of really respecting the other guy's point of view and believing, like I believe Grant is an excellent poker player, like a fabulous poker player, and I have things to learn from him. And I hope he has some similar kind of thought about me. <laughs> but but I, think, I think if you're going to have a tag team partner, it's really important to have that because otherwise there's a really weird power dynamic where the person who's better, you know, is you know gonna whatever they say sort of has to go and the person who's worse has to worry about letting that person down mm. as opposed to you're just trying to make the right play and so like if, if grant and i were tag team partners which i don't think we've ever been grant i don't think we've ever done one of that, but we we probably will be at some point like if grant does something that i disagreed with it still wouldn't i would never be upset about that you know because i would understand that like he's good enough that like whatever he thinks is at least fine if not great if not better than whatever i would do you know like it can't be horrible no matter what you know, and so starting from that place, I think is really important. Um, anytime you're doing any kind of partnership, certainly with poker and money involved. Nice. Uh, we've got great a answer. Couple... <laughs> you guys should do this for a living. <laughs> uh, we've got a couple, other, a couple of questions here, but one thing that I'm interested in, um, kind of taking off on that, a bunch of our listeners are heading down to the World Series for the first time. Maybe they're taking a shot, um, trying to get a bracelet or something. You guys mostly look at it's not exclusively nosebleed stakes or high stakes, but you tend to look at um, bigger hands and bigger tournaments and that kind of thing. What kind of advice would you give uh, less experienced players who are going to play in some of these big tournaments to just kind of give them a bit of an edge that they might not have otherwise, even if it's just to play a little defense? What, what can they do better or differently? Well, the first thing I'd say to somebody who hasn't been to the World Series of Poker and hasn't played you know, a live tournament that's supposed to take four or five days is that you have a lot more time than you're used to having and you don't have to freak out if, you know, if you're the monster stacks already passed, but it's a great example. If you have 50,000 chips in the monster stack, it's easy to get caught up in losing 1200 chips in the first orbit and think you have to get them back. But it's really important to remember how many blinds you have. And that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter if somebody moves from another table and has 500 blinds and you have 200, you still have 200 blinds. You don't have to chase that person. It's fine. So just remember that you have more time than you normally have. And that's not the case in all World Series events. There's like the Deep Stacks Championship events, whatever, the ones that are like $400 to $800. Those are a little more turbo-y. Those will play a little bit more like the tournaments you might be used to. But if you're playing one of the big name events, I would say just show a little more patience and, and don't worry too much about losing a few blinds early on. Mm. Mm. I, I would want to follow up with that too. In a similar manner, but it's a little different, is I would say for people who are not used to it, like these kinds of stakes, don't don't 
um, force playing big pots. Don't worry about playing a big pot. Don't try to play a big pot. Play a big pot when it makes sense to. So there are times when your hand will absolutely demand that you play a big pot. Of course, you know, you have aces, you flop a set, whatever, you flop a monster draw and you're, you have to play a big pot. Great, go for it. Um, there may be times when you think you're gonna, um, you have a major rage advantage and your opponent is very tight and you can push them off certain hands. And you decide to play a bigger pot there, fair enough. Um, you're bl- the blind situation in these tournaments get to the point where you have to three bet all in and that's the stack size that you have. And so you have to play a bigger pot, fair enough. But I think a lot of newer players or, or amateur players feel like they just are supposed to play big pots just cause. And so I see guys do that where they like bluff for no reason or call off at a huge spot for no real reason with a hand that isn't really good enough to early in a tournament too, where even if you win the, even if you win this pot, it hurts you a lot to lose, but it isn't that valuable to win yet. Um, so all that, I don't know. I just feel like I watch people play much bigger pots than they need to way more often than they need to. Mm. That's a great, that's a really good point about uh, not, it's not that important to win yet because I think a lot of recreational players go out there and they're trying to win the tournament on day one. The only thing you can do on day one is lose. Um, so that's, that's great advice. Be patient, pick your spots and uh, don't try and manufacture it. Uh, I really like that. Um, question from uh, Ben says, is there a new book on the horizon or being planned in the future? Oh, there is not want really to know. a new book on the horizon. We've kicked it around a bit. Uh, with the first one was called How Could He Call? The second one was going to be How Can He Fold? I guess the third one would be Why Didn't He Raise? But uh, I don't <laughs> You got it wrong. Gonna... Levy, you got it wrong. What was, it? Even what know was it? How Can He Fold is the first one. <laughs> Nobody knows anything. I don't even know the name of our podcast, okay? <laughs> I think it's it's like the Poker Breakdown podcast with the, the guys from the show or something it's the breakdown poker podcast with the poker guys it's a very complicated title (laughs) so is the book title (laughs) how can he fold (laughs) why did he call it's all the same it doesn't matter (laughs) 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 nice anything you want to you want to add to that (laughs) uh yeah we're probably we're probably not gonna we're probably not gonna write another book in the near future um we we put a lot of time into that book it yeah. did fine for us, but it wasn't a huge hit or anything. And it was like, you know, writing a book is arduous work in a way that Jonathan and I are not super interested in doing with a lot of our lives. You know, it's like rereading every chapter 10 times and getting all of the semantics correct and arguing over little tiny details. It, it becomes a little bit, you know, cloying or something. And mm. um, it, it was an enjoyable thing to do once. And I'm glad that we did it. It's just not something that I'm itching to do again. Unless, you know, a publisher comes up to us and is like, I think you got the next 50 shades of gray with this poker book. Let's go. <laughs> that's, that's the one it would be. Eh? <laughs> All right, Chris. Oh my God. Well, speaking, I mean, speaking of potential future endeavors, uh, you have sort of talked about potentially doing other podcasts, maybe not even mm-hmm. non-poker podcasts, um, maybe an advice podcast or so what where where are you with with some of those ventures is that something that we can look for down the road i can't answer honestly in any way actually like i, I don't know the i don't <laughs> know lie. the answer Only yeah, lie. Yeah. everything answer. every everything that you want to happen is going to happen for sure <laughs> and when you die you'll go to heaven it's great don't great, worry about great, it. everything's great. good i feel um, so relieved <laughs> yeah no uh so the advice podcast is definitely a thing that we have played around with. We've, we've sent out and Chris actually was participating in this and that we sent out a 
a call to our Discord members for our poker Discord asking if anybody had any any questions they wanted answered, you know, and um, just re- regular advice. And we've done a, a couple test runs and haven't 100% loved what we've come up with yet. And also just haven't really had the the time to put into it to to make it as good as we want to make it. Uh, we've just had like, I have a kid now and we have various things that we need to travel for. So we have to prioritize, you know, getting stuff out for our sponsors and for our, our poker fans. Um, so we do that when we work and we, we don't do as much uh, with the other projects, but we always do have another podcast project on, on the horizon. It seems we have had other podcasts that we actually did release drunk sports being the best example. Um, that was honestly, Jonathan, I say this to each other all the time. The best thing that we ever did, it was where <laughs> I would get progressively drunker and we would talk about sports. Yes. It, it was, uh, it was a shit show, but it was, I think it was phenomenal. I think it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, the advice podcast, I think it has legs, but I'm not entirely, I can't give you like a release date or anything. What is your view on that, Jonathan? I think that's about right. We, uh, we probably recorded three of them, I think, like as tester or something like that. And the, the first one was kind of a disaster. I would say the second one was like a third of it was really good. And the other two thirds was like, meh. And so we're trying to find that sweet spot. Like with, with the poker podcast, we're so clear about our roles and where we want to go. And we know the format by, you know, and, and granular levels, we understand what we want, what we're doing at that at all moments. And even like a lot of the things in our poker podcast, for example, are me trying to derail whatever Grant's, you know, trying to do in the podcast. Like he's trying to take us to the next thing and I'm trying to screw it up. Like that's actually part of the fun of it, you know, and, and we have fun around that. And, uh, well, he actually generally, of course, make it a little frustrated too, but that's part of the fun. And, uh, <laughs> But like with the with the a new podcast where we're trying to sort of in theory take this to the mainstream and like outside of the poker world, we have to sort of rebuild it all almost from scratch. And so it's it's a little I thought it was gonna be really easy to do because I thought we'll just take the thing we're doing and do it here. But it turns out it's a little more than that. And so we're still we we sort of we we're I mean, I don't know, this may sound very egotistical, but we're really proud of this of the work that we do. We're really proud of our podcasts. And we only want to put out something that is at least to the quality that we expect the poker podcast is at. And so anything less than that, we don't really know why we're doing it. And so for us, that's we're like gonna we'll probably keep, you know, banging around with it, but I don't I don't know if it's gonna make it or not. It's it's <laughs> unclear. I was very optimistic for a while, but I'm a little less optimistic now. Well, you're setting yeah, the bar pretty high. That is a phenomenal podcast that you guys put up. So I, I'm, I'm just being serious. Like, <laughs> Thank you. you know, you're, you're expecting the snark from me, but no, that's, that's seriously, that's yeah. like, it's quite an accomplishment. So I understand why you'd want to keep that up. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. There's been so many podcast ideas that we've kicked around. Just like, we're, we're basically just very promiscuous with our podcast ideas. We're just like, let's just go do this one now. Like we, yeah. we had an idea where we were going to do a show rewatch podcast, except only for bad shows. So we watched... <laughs> We watched episode one of Kevin Can Wait and it was, and we made a podcast about it. We like took serious notes, you know, like these are the things I want to point out about Kevin Can Wait, but how, how important this, this show is. And it was terrible. We did the podcast and it was just, it was God awful. Yeah. It was horrible. We'd never even touched that one again. Um, we did one <laughs> about the, the end idea of the world. Yeah. I love it's, the it's, idea too. Honestly, yeah. Grant, you're telling, you're saying this. I'm like, we need to figure that out. I want to do a rewatch <laughs> of bad shows and do a podcast. That sounds incredible. So maybe we have to kick that around a little more. You'd have to it drink a bad, lot. Man. There'd it be a really, lot of maybe, drinking. Maybe that would help. Oh, I don't know. It was really bad. The only one that we thought was um, successful from a theory standpoint was drunk sports. We thought we actually did yeah. a good, mm. good job with that one. But yep. it was not successful from a you know numbers perspective. You know, We never got yeah. to even like a tenth of the listenership of the breakdown. Right. 
Plus, it probably sounded like you guys were doing great being half in the bag by the end of it. But, uh, you know, you never really know until you get that objective eye of the audience involved. It does sound like super fun, though. Yeah, Chris, it was great. It was, it was really great. So, uh, Jonathan, you mentioned sort of derailing the podcast. And for our listeners who, who've never uh, listened, first of all, go listen. Uh, but second of all, one of the things I think that uh, your fans really enjoy. Well, I, mean, I, I don't know. You might break this down. Sometimes you say people skip the beginning part, but I think a lot of people really enjoy the parts of the podcast that aren't even about poker. I mean, the, the, the poker analysis is fantastic. You have some great hands. You have great contributing listeners who kind of help you find these really great hands that help us all learn a lot around poker. But then there's all these sort of pieces of the podcast that sort of revolve around kind of whatever is kind of floating around in your two brains that day. Uh, or maybe you plan it out a little, I don't know, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about uh, how, how you sort of balance those aspects when you're thinking about it. And when you're thinking about, you know, and I, when it is time to sort of like pull in the derailment or stop the derailment or, or, and I, I assume that's Grant's job versus Jonathan's job is to try to push that envelope as far as possible. But, but I'm curious about how, how you find that balance and how you sort of like, understand when you've got something good because you've had a lot of good responses from your listeners about mm. a lot of those pieces you've had a lot of conversation in your discord channel all that kind of stuff that's a really interesting question for sure so um to be clear we don't have first of all we never talk about anything ahead of time grant never knows what i'm going to talk about i never know what he's going to talk about um except the hand itself uh Unless we've just been talking about something that's got me all fired up and then I'm going to just continue. But uh, but a lot of the times it just goes where it goes um, pretty much all the time. Um, <laughs> and no one has a no one actually has a job like Grant usually is the one who sort of shepherds us through and make sure we like does all the things we actually need to do to have a podcast. But it isn't actually his job to do that. He just sort of plays the role because I'm playing the role of the Joker a lot. But there are times when, and Grant, I'm sure could mention many of these, where I'll say, hey, we've been doing this for a while. Should Like, let's get back and moving on. You know, let's try and get back to the hand. I, I sometimes will bring us back if I think like the bit that we're doing is like, I think it's just about to get stale or it's just gotten stale or is it where we sort of you know, mind it as much as we can. And then I want to. I don't want to do any more of it. And so like I shift us back or I try to shift us back anyway. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And we've even at times um, changed roles specifically where I take on the role of being Grant, meaning like I'm the guy saying like, here's what happened in the hand. And here's, and I'm, and I'm reading what's happening and asking the questions or trying to, he does a much better job. But even then I sort of remain, I, in my heart, I just want to break everything, you know? <laughs> so like, that's the most fun thing to do is to like, how far can we how far can we push this actually without it breaking is really what I'm trying to do. You know, how much fun can we have? And we have no sense of it. Like it used to be the openings were like eight minutes long and then we get to the hand and then they slowly grew to like 15 minutes long before we got to the hand. Now we're at a solid like 20 to 25 minutes every episode of us just fucking around, sometimes about poker, sometimes not, sometimes just doing. We did a bit on pig advertising like three weeks ago that we were talking about the other day because we think it's like really funny and interesting and different. And I told my family about it, you know, recently when I was like visiting them because I was like, here's a weird thing that I was doing the other day. Um, that like, you know, I mean, it was just like, what is pig advertising? And I had a thought of what it was and he had three guesses and he got it wrong. Even with three guesses, somehow he got it wrong, but his third guess was better than anything I had come up with anyway. Um, and like we did that for like eight minutes and I think it's really funny and really interesting and weird. And I don't know, that's sort of, that's a big part of our show is this rapport slash comp shared comedic humor thing that we have together. And 
I mean, a lot, I said to him off, off camera before, like one of the things I view as my real role on the show is to see if I can actually get Grant to laugh out loud because it's really hard <laughs> to get him to actually not just smile, but really laugh. And if I can do that, like I feel like I've really done something. So a lot of my stuff is trying to is just doing that and everyone gets to listen along. <laughs> nice. Well, Grant, I know you might have to leave uh, shortly. Um, is there anything bad you want to say about Jonathan before you do? Like, what's what's the worst part about working with Jonathan Levy? Um, it's probably the smell. I was hoping you were going to say that. Excellent. I teed you up perfectly for that. Yep. It's Uh, even just over zoom. I think I'm getting a bit of of it. Yeah. Um, Okay. uh, Actually, I could not to be sappy or anything, but he's been a really good business partner in a lot of ways. It's been, it's been, I can't complain at all. And I think a lot of it is just a, a shared understanding of a lifestyle that we want to have through this Mm. business sort of. Um, and a general chillness, man. You know what I'm saying, man? You know, like it's just, it's just kind of a, a, a good vibe. And so I think, I guess maybe the worst thing is like, sometimes we fight, we have little fights sometimes, you know, we're, we're, we have more of a sibling relationship than a friend relationship at times. That's what it feels like. Right. That's exactly what it is. God, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Well put. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not like we have bad fights or anything, but Jonathan and I have little tiffs that I don't have with my other friends. And it's probably because we see each other too much is my best guess. I don't know. A, <laughs> a lot of time together. Is that your experience, Jonathan? Would you agree with that? Um, I think that's right. Yeah. Like we spend so much more time together than with any other friend of mine. And we have actually shared interests, like mutual, like business interests, which, you know, so we have our disagreements actually matter in a way that it doesn't matter with some of our other friends. If we disagree, like who cares? This is like, oh, you think financially it should go this way. And I think financially it should go this way. You think we should take on this sponsor. I think we shouldn't, you know, and we actually have to decide something, you know, so we're forced into that. And so there may be some conflict that comes from that. That said, I think we, at least from my perspective, I think we do our disagreements really well. Like we get Mm -hmm. slightly annoyed at each other and it's usually over very quickly and we're pretty good at talking it out. Yeah. And honestly, the the disagreements are not over those things that you would expect, like the financial stuff. I don't think we have actually, those are more just like, theoretical debates, I would say, than they are disagreements. Our disagreements are over petty, weird little things, you know, and I don't, I can't even like what bring, I, I can't even <laughs> think of one right now. It's just like, you know, we get annoyed with each other eventually. And, and then something I don't get annoyed with you. I think you get annoyed with me. That's a, no way. <laughs> impossible. Right, How could right, anybody? Right. Jim, I actually I can stay probably another 10 minutes, by the way. Oh, OK, so, perfect. All right. All right. Glad to hear. Nice. Glad to hear. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, Chris, go ahead. Well, there's, I, I just wanted to turn to the, there's a couple of YouTube questions. Um, Benjamin, uh, wants to know, Jonathan, will you ever play Hellmuth heads up now? Oh my God. Good job, Benjamin. Great question. So for those of you, almost everyone who doesn't know what that's referring to. So <laughs> something like a year ago, I got really annoyed at Phil Hellmuth winning all the, uh, all the heads up stuff, the heads up dual stuff and all his talking and him being a kind of a dick in so many ways that I challenged him to a 20 K heads up. This is before he was playing these like 800 K buy-ins like he's going to do with <laughs> Scott Siever. So fair enough, but a 20 K heads up match. Now, I just challenged him on our podcast in fairness. I didn't like, you know, send him a telegram or anything. Um, I didn't really, ex- I didn't really expect anything to happen from it, but I thought it was possible and I was totally willing to do it and, you know, do it, whatever on TV or YouTube or whatever and stream it and, you know, beat the shit out of him. 
basically was the plan. <laughs> Embarrass him, pick off his ridiculous bluffs that make no sense, and you know, take away advantage of his massive tightness that only works against amateurs, even though he's gotten this crazy weird lucky run against like Scott Seaver, Antonio, Negrano. I mean, it is an amazing run in fairness to him. It's incredible. But, you know, it's... You, uh, uh, you get enough monkeys typing on enough typewriters. Eventually, a run like that will happen. And apparently, we're living in that universe. See, uh, I'm ready no for this. No I'm credit. ready for the fuck. No. Listen, we got to put this one out there. Maybe they'll start the feud that you've, you've, you've longed okay. for for a while there. Do it. Yeah, yeah there we go. Actually, do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with, uh, with all the markets being... Full. With all the markets being down so much, I'm going to need to crowdfund some of that 20K, by the way. Mm, <laughs> I'm yeah. going to ask for a little help on that. I'm yeah. feeling more poor than I used to. Well, after that kind of bravado, I think you could probably pick up some backers at least, I think. You know, you're just going against Phil Helmuth. It sounds like you got him I mean, all figured out. It's a cinch anyway. We can't lose. How can we lose? Look at that guy. How could we lose? That's the um, next book. How could we lose? Yeah, how could we <laughs> Uh, Joseph in the chat, uh, our man type login here says another uh, rewatch of cult classic shows. This is for your next podcast, guys. Uh, Firefly, X Files, Buffy, uh, that kind of thing. Now, were you were you Buffy, X Files, Firefly fans? Is that a show? Are those shows that you're familiar with? Do you celebrate their entire catalog? <laughs> uh, I'm of those. I only saw Firefly in its entirety, which is the easiest to see in its entirety. That might be an age thing. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, no. Firefly is better than those other things. I think pretty clearly. Sorry, everyone who somehow thinks Buffy or Angel is better. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> and X-Files, which I've seen almost all of, is clearly not as good as Firefly either. Yeah. Um, the thing is, those shows are like too good and too well done for the kind of thing we would want to do. Like, I don't want to praise stuff. Everyone does that. We would need to do the other side of it. We yeah, like yeah. I actually just been just the other day, I've actually like today and yesterday, I've been watching these like 45 minute videos of this really good YouTuber who's been taking down. Like I just watched a 36 minute video before we started recording on how bad the first Suicide Squad movie really was. Mm. And yesterday I watched a Batman versus Superman. Same thing by the same YouTuber. And they're great. I love it. But no one's doing it for a whole rewatch for a series. I don't know if I can. I mean, we have to watch a really bad TV show and talk about it, but it could be fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think you guys might be on something there. Um, I remember when I so the show that I hold up that feels like needs this treatment and it's an old show and I don't know if you ever even heard of it, but uh, there was a show called Cop Rock. Do you know the show Cop Rock? Yeah, Stephen Bochco produced that. I feel like that needs that needs some revisiting. That would be an amazing thing to do. They're only some. I think there was only like ten yeah, episodes or twelve. Ten episodes. episodes, so it could be a short little series, yeah. but it uh, it would really deserve. I mean, it was a it was basically a, a musical a really bad musical of cops solving crimes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it would be kind of a, a, a pretty, pretty good undertaking. It was, anyway. it was NYPD blue meets Annie like for yes. real. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> well, I've got a two parter for you now. Um, so you're obviously, you're still steeped in the poker world, but it doesn't sound like you're actually playing as much as you used to. Do you still enjoy playing poker and uh, how often do you get to, and what do you still enjoy about actually playing the game of poker? Uh, I do. Although pre pandemic, I had not been enjoying it as much as I had previously enjoyed it, but then I took two and a half years off. I literally just started playing live again about a week and a half ago. You caught me at at a good time. Yes. Um, Had a kid was being extra careful, all that stuff. So 
Um, so I, I, I finally got back and I enjoy it quite a bit. And uh, what's really enjoyable in Portland right now is there's bomb pots are everywhere here in Portland. Mm. It's the, it's the thing in cash games, like in any, even the no limit cash games, I'll have like a one, three, no limit and a five, five, no limit where twice in orbit, there's a bomb pot and wow. the, huh. the bomb moves around and you get to call a game. And there's like 15 games to choose from that you can call. And there are these crazy split pot games. And sometimes there's like 10 cards on the board or there's like a game called tic-tac-toe. And so trying to figure out those games uh, is, is kind of a lot of fun, you know, and, it, and it's, it's a new area to exploit that hasn't been just completely solved by, by everything. Right. Wow. So that, that's been enjoyable for me recently. Yeah. What about yeah, you, Grant and I have actually, Grant and I have actually been talking a lot about one of the variants you can play on the bomb pot called Texaha, which is where you get six cards and you set one hand as Omaha and one hand as Hold'em. And it's a, a split pot game. And then they put out one board and there's betting and all this stuff. And like, just trying to talk through like, how would you even set these hands? How would you think about this game? And we've been kicking that around. It's been really fun. Um, I definitely still pl- enjoy playing poker for sure. I don't have the deep love of it that I had 10 years ago, but that's been gone for a long time. Quite Like once I became a professional for real and like sort of experienced playing it every day for years, it stopped being that sort of special, special, exciting thing. But I do love anything and poker is great for this that gives me total permission to be highly competitive where i'm allowed to want to win in every way i'm supposed to crush my opponents i love that and it's also social in a way that almost no other game really is with so many people and you can even as you're taking someone's money you can be joking with them and laughing and enjoying each other and it's that's something really cool about that yeah totally chris well and i actually i re- I, I love uh, Grant, that you talked about sort of variants. And one of the things, I mean, we've had, I don't really want to get into all the, the cheating scandal lately, but we've had, you know, there's solvers out there there. We know that people are playing online with RTAs. There's all these sort of like things in the world that, that make maybe poker. It's just, it's harder. It's you just, the, the level of the quality of play of even people who aren't as, you know, like experienced as like me are just, they're just getting better. And I'm curious if you think that the game can evolve towards some of these more are there are there new variants that we might see become more popular or is there a way the game can sort of get ahead of some of these kinds of things like rtas are there things that could happen do you think that that we'll see that start to happen um not in tournament poker i don't i don't see it ever happening in tournament poker no limit hold'em is always going to be the king of tournament poker uh a lot of it based on you know the all-in and the way the pot size is manipulated and is it's a lot better for tournament poker. Uh, I can see a lot of cash games going to a more mixed game thing. The problem is that it becomes kind of like a, a, a club, you know, like in, there's a lot of regulars in Portland who know how to play these games, but I could see it being very intimidating to a new player. You mm-hmm. know, and I think that that could have an adverse effect on bringing new people into the live poker community. If, if they sit down and they're like, all right, here's 19 cards make a four card hand, a three card hand and a six card hand. It's a uh, two boards and it's a high low game and uh, aces, aces spades doesn't count, you know? And they're like, Oh, okay. I guess I should just leave. Like, I, I don't understand why I'm here. So I don't think Hold'em will be displaced in tournaments. I kind of don't think it'll be displaced in cash games either, but it has a better chance there. Um, I don't really see an easy solution for, for the RTA and, and ghosting stuff. It's, it's just a rough spot for poker. Yeah. My belief is that online poker is going to, is in trouble because of this stuff. And that 
Um, maybe not the lower levels of it ultimately, but I mean, I think, every, I think every level is affected by this ultimately, but, um, but like the higher stakes stuff, I think it's going to be really hard. I I'm friends, Grant and I, Grant and I are both friends with a very accomplished player who wins things regularly, um, is on the circuit, all these things. And he was talking about how frustrating it is to, um, to play against guys like, well, I was, I guess I won't say their names because I don't want to you know, getting, getting anyone in trouble in terms of legal stuff. I don't know, but the guys who are accused and how not only are they because they're using RTA stuff, they're better online, but they actually then sort of train their brain better on how to do these things. So they're better alive too. And that, so they're able to do better stuff, better alive because they've, they're, they actually do know what's right and what's wrong and they're doing it. You know, he, he was saying it really feels unfair and is a real problem with that. And I can see the high stakes pros and just the higher stakes in general online, just being, especially with the ghosting stuff that's coming out too, just being very unattractive. Like I wouldn't want to play a 10 K buy-in online because I would assume by the time I get to the final table, I'm essentially up again or the final five or whatever. There's a really good chance. I'm up against the best players in the world, whether I'm supposed to be or not, that seems like just not okay. And live solves that pretty well, of course, but online, I don't know how you solve that. Mm-hmm. Well, I got uh, one more question. I'll give the folks in uh, YouTube a chance to type any more last ones. But um, if you guys wanted, if let's say you got some crazy tournament coming up, you were free rolled into it. It had a huge prize pool. The best players in the world were going to be playing in it. And you had some time to actually improve your own games. What would you do? to make yourselves better poker players uh, today? Hmm. What resources, what what tactics would you use to to try and improve your own games at this point? Or, or at least that you're not doing already by talking yeah. to other excellent poker players all the time about poker. Uh, I, so I have an answer for this. This is something that Jonathan brings up sometimes when he's talking about how he expects the top people study. So in this scenario where we're going to be playing against the top players, so it's like we're going to have to know all of the game theory really well. I think we would probably run a lot of Pio sims, see what what Pio came out with, and try to reverse engineer why Pio got there. Because like for those who listen to our podcast, they know that we have a section at the end where we look at solver work that's done by somebody else that we didn't see before we did our analysis. And often Pio will output stuff that's like, how could that be the thing that Pio wants this player to do? (laughs) So I think we would spend a lot of time diving deep and trying to figure out why, like find the path as to why the seven of spades, which which feels completely irrelevant, is extremely important to Pio, you know, and slowly that would train our brains into thinking in the the more correct game theory way is my guess. I think the other thing which comes to mind, especially if we get to play against like known players and something like that, that's what we're talking about. Cause that's, cause it's the preparation would be really different. Otherwise I think like we wouldn't be even doing what Grant's talking about. I don't think if we're talking about lower level stuff, like, you know, a millionaire maker or something like that. Um, but we're talking about, yeah, buying into the Triton. Um, I think I would actually just want to watch all the Triton stuff and both not so much for physical tells, although I bet you there are some, but more for, where people are getting out of line. So Michael Adamo is someone we've watched a lot. And actually, I often say on the podcast, when I'm talking about Stephen Chidwick, who's another probably top 10 tournament player in the world, that like he's, I feel like he gets out of line. I feel like he's always pushing the limits of like, what is a blocker and how can I bluff on the river and what can I raise with to the point where you just have to not fold to that guy. Like you just have to hold on. And of course, I know he's smart enough and good enough that he has a response to that. I understand that. And guys like me, he knows how to play against guys like me. And yet still, 
I wonder if there are every it's in poker. It's really easy to be aggressive and it's really hard to call an aggressive player. So everyone, so like guys like Chidwick and Adamo often lean towards being on that aggressive side as a result, right? Because it's hard to call. It's easy to bet. So being the guy who then makes the, does the hard stuff, like playing a little more passively and calling a little bit more, I think can work against those guys, at least in the beginning. I'm sure they've got, you know, readjustments they can make pretty quickly. But that would be the first thing I'd be looking for is if I was rewatching everything, it's like, who do I think is A, getting out of line and continues to get out of line with more regularity than everyone else? You know, just getting a sense of like, if someone's going to be solve or perfect, like Vogel saying's trying to be. Um, or, or Sean Winter, it seems like is trying to be. There's no point in even really studying those guys. It's like, okay, I can't really do anything against those guys except hope to come close to breaking even. Um, but a guy like Adamo, there might be, because he's trying to push it and exploit people's tendencies to want to fold and be careful and not put in too many chips in certain spots to try and maybe take advantage of a little bit of that. I don't know if it's possible, but I'd be looking for that kind of a thing. Well, because the edges available are so small, at that level that you just have to take the small edges that are available to you because there are no big edges left. So, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And those are going to be painful little edges. (laughs) So I do, I get that. Well, uh, Ben, who's B jamming, I don't know if uh, he's a big uh, poker guys fan as well. I think he's uh, done some reviews of your podcast, that kind of stuff Um, asks about uh, what your WSOP plans are. And I'll just say, so for the last question regarded to that, um, on the other side of the spectrum, when you're, if you were down playing in the main event and you're at a table with a bunch of recreational players, what are a couple of things that you'll do to kind of take advantage of that or to put them in difficult positions when you're playing? Um, I'll start, Grant. Uh, so I think both our WSOP pins at this point are to not go to the WSOP this year. Um, next year, is almost certainly we're going to be back on and fully in assuming the world sort of like finds a little bit more sanity, which I think it will by then. Um, In terms of how to play these kinds of events, which is something we both have done a lot of, like we played a whole bunch of $1,500 buy-in, $1,000 buy-in World Series events. Um, I think that what I'm trying to do is I'm not trying to put these recreational players in tough spots. I'm letting them make the mistakes. Mm. That's my plan early on. Later on, the mistakes are that they fold too much because they're close to the money or they don't want to screw up or anything like that. But early on in these events there's they're not afraid they've got a lot of chips it doesn't really matter like i'm not trying to do anything except let them do let them play pots that are too big or you know whatever how whatever area they're going to lean to if they're going to fold too much or call too much or raise too much i'm going to let them make the mistakes i'm going to play sort of my game and my game is built to beat that kind whatever it is they're doing when they're making mistakes so i just sort of have to sit back and let the chips come to me that mostly works in these kind of fields. That isn't necessarily going to work in a 50K buy-in field by any means. But in a 1500 field, like, here's a quick story. And the, I think it was like the 888 or whatever it was one time. It was like the second orbit. And I got dealt aces under the gun and I raised. And the big blind three bet. And I four bet. And the big blind called but tried to five bet. He actually tried. He even said, oh, I meant to, and he, like, he dropped chips weirdly and, and clearly was really trying to five bet and was sincerely saying, I really meant to five bet that. And I was like, cool, you know, like, sounds fine. <laughs> anyway, the flop comes out. I think he checks. I go all in. He calls. He has queens on like a nine high board and he's just out. And as he's leaving, he's like, what can I do? And I'm like, yeah, man, I don't know what you can do. And I'm thinking you could have absolutely not busted here. That's what you could have done. There's no way I ever bust with that hand in that spot. Like it's impossible for me to bust with Queens there against if so, if the hands are reversed, I can't bust, but he can. That's, that's all I'm trying to do is let those guys do that kind of a thing for a while. 
Yep. What do you think, Grant? Great answer. I echo all of that. Um, early on in those it, tournaments, it's all about just letting the mistakes be bigger mistakes because they're for more blinds. And so, you know, you don't, you don't have to force anything to happen. You might go four hours card dead and it's fine. You just, just wait for your spots. It's totally fine. So I echo everything that Jonathan said. Um, that's going to be it for me. I'm going to have to go, but it was great being on. Thanks yeah. guys. Yeah. Thank you so much, Grant. Look forward to next time. Have Bye. a great week. All right. Well, uh, Jonathan, I really appreciate your time today and grants as well. Of course, um, I'll give you a chance now to just slag the guy. Is there anything like really, <laughs> really nasty? He's, he's not, he's not listening. You guys don't listen to the rec Folker podcast. No, He'll never know. What do you want to say? <laughs> uh, the only thing I would say is he's just not trustworthy. That's the thing to keep in mind. It's like, don't ever give him money. Don't believe anything he says. It's not it's not a good spot for him. So that's the only thing. Besides that, he's a great guy. But um, right on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll definitely folks should, go, should absolutely go get involved in the podcast. You have a ton of uh back issues. Uh it comes out twice a week. Uh there I love the format. Um, we, there is this nice element where you guys kind of put your own selves out there and then follow up with a solver thing at the end, which is a great way of getting at kind of both ways of looking at the hand, which I really enjoy. Uh, so people should definitely go and check that out. And if they want to reach out to you guys and connect and just tell you how much they enjoy what you're doing, uh, Jonathan, what's the best way for people to reach you personally? Um, well, uh, we have our we're on Twitter just at two poker guys, the number two poker guys. That's probably the best way. We also have our discord channel, which Chris Jones is part of, um, which you can just, you can go to our Twitter to find it. You can go, you can just go to discord and find it. Um, those are probably the best ways I'm at like Jonathan underscore Levy, but I don't know why you'd want to find me on Twitter <laughs> myself, quite frankly. Like I get people following me who are clearly poker people who are following the poker guys that follow me and I don't tweet much. And when I do, it ain't about poker. So I don't know if anyone cares. I wouldn't recommend it. But um, but yeah, at Two Poker Guys is a great place to um, to reach out to us. You can direct message us or just add us or whatever, and we can we'll respond to you and be part of the conversation. And also Discord, we got a whole lively community going on, mm-hmm. there too, which is pretty fun. And we talk and about it- food and sports and movies and TV and poker and players' hands, like like Discord members' hands and the hands that we've been doing as well. Like all that's there. So nice. And so, folks, if you want to share a hand. Uh, and get it on the the Poker Guys podcast. You can pop it in their Discord channel, or they do still accept them on Twitter. I have it on good authority. Um, well, then, okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. Um, we're going to continue with the show, talk about some home game results and how much we're looking forward to listening to your next episode. But uh, I really do appreciate you having you back on the show, and we had a really good time here. I'm looking forward to next time already. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was great. All right, Jonathan. Have thanks, a great Jonathan. night. See you again so long, soon. All right, so Chris, we're going to do our uh, contest here shortly. So if people are watching along on YouTube, you can just type the word contest into the chat there. I'll roll a magical die, and we will see who's going to win a copy of How Can He Fold? Mm-hmm. I think I got that one right. That one was it's a great book, too. It Basically, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with the book, it, it breaks, like, they, they have, you know, I don't know how many episodes of the podcast they have, but they took some of their best hands uh, of all time and really dug deep in them and looked at, you know, okay, here's, here's some hands we actually explored, but they really went at it and like broke it down. And in this sort of conversational format, it's really accessible, but it can help you really, uh, really think about some of the concepts that you're, that you're approaching, um, in your own game too. So it's, a, I think it's a great book. So I hope somebody, somebody picks it up here. 
Yeah. And if you like the, if you like their podcast, you'll like their book. It's, it's very similarly structured in that yeah. kind of dialogue um, as Chris is talking about here. All right. So I'll give uh, you folks a few more minutes to type the word contest into the chat. Let's head over to uh, the home game section of the room and talk about who's been getting up to what in the rec poker home games. We only have about 45 of these a month, so this might take a while. Uh, we're just going through the last week, starting with Uncle Tom's Cabin, Jeff S., who won the Tournament of Champions last oh, week. So congrats. congratulations. Silver pin. There you go. Jeff gets one of these fancy bad boys. Oh, they look good, don't they? Um, that, congratulations to you there, uh, Jeff. And on June 13th, Eric Romo, GF Hawk, won the nightly series. Glassjaw2222, Dave Shoon, won on the 14th. On the 15th, Golfball555, whose name has been withheld, uh, won their first daily, I think, and second of all, or first of this year, second all time. On June 16th, Stuart Carriage, Stewie13, back in the winner's circle. No surprises there. On June 17th, Evil Roy himself, Dave Westerveld, who is a familiar name to a lot of Rec Poker Premium members, and I believe he is in the chat tonight. Uh, so, oh, Dave, congrats, congrats on that congrats. one. Yeah. On uh, June 18th, Kathy Chang, Aces, won the daily, uh, the nightly tournament. Kathy is a great member, loves her mixed games, and I think we've got another result for her coming up. On June 18th in the mixed event, James Cree won the, the practice uh, mixed game. Congratulations, James. And then in the international series, I know that's one of Ben's favorite. You find that small field size on those Saturday mornings. That's a great way to get one of these. That's called uh, game selection. Game selection, folks. It's an underrated part of poker. Uh, so the early game was won by Jay Sedum, Jeff S., uh, who's uh, becoming a familiar face here in the winner's circle. And the afternoon by Tron Vidaris-Densby, who I was just talking about uh, last week, Oslo Borger. Congratulations, sir. On the uh, LPP Sunday event, Ivor Big One One, whose name has been redacted for privacy purposes. Um, but if you, you know, if you win on Sunday night, that's the Learn Pro Poker Tournament. It's free to enter, but you win a whole free month at Learn Pro Poker. And you're going to love that. Uh, Ivor Big One One. <laughs> so whatever your real name is, send me an email, please. Jim at rec.poker. And I'll send you your link to join Learn Pro Poker for free. You're going to love that. That's going to be great. And then we had our Heads Up event on June 18th as well, where Kathy Chang came right back wow. in to win. And these are these are tough. This is there's no soft seats left in the heads up tournaments here. We have this every quarter. So the next one will be on the third Saturday of September. It's a ladder bracket tournament, just like March Madness or Marek Madness, as we like to say. And so congratulations to Kathy for uh, rising to the top of that. That could have that... earned a seat into Marek Madness now, right? You said it. She's going to be one of the participants next Marek um, in Marek 2013. <laughs> 2023. 2023. Oh my God. Yeah. Sorry. Too much fun with the poker. Yeah, not a time machine <laughs> yet. Um, so that is it. Those are the home game results. I see we've got a few people typing contest into the chat. So I'm going to roll the magical die here. Uh, the first one we've got is evil Roy. So we'll start at evil Roy. 
and count down from there. Let's see who the winner is going to be. It is evil. I'm rolling a one a lot. I might need to change the die. This is like the third week in a row. Where this we is loaded. It's good two. to get your contest typed in first. Yeah, that's right. Chris has it, he has it all figured out. Uh, so Dave, you know the, you know the drill. Um, send me an email, jim at rec.poker, and I'll make sure that you get your download link for that e-copy of How Can He Fold? Uh, and that's going to be great. You're going to love that. Well, this episode is going to come out on Friday, June 24th. So if you're listening to this and it's like super early in the morning, it just came out, you're a very dedicated Rec Poker podcast listener, then you probably still have time to get over to Running Aces because it's Rec Poker Weekend at Running Aces on June 24th and 25th. We're going to be playing a whole series of poker tournaments uh, with extra prizes, giving out swag. There's going to be a time. I'm going to be there. Chris is going to drop in. A bunch of the Rec Poker members are going to show up. A bunch of the panel is going to be there. I know people are traveling in from out of state. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, There's also a a points race, a player of the series race that's going to go on. Uh, And that's just going to be a ton of fun. So if you go to rec.poker slash road trips, you can find out a little more information about that. And I hope people come out and uh, and join the fun. It's going to be a great time. And the only other thing that you might have time to join, if you can't come to uh, Rec Poker Weekend because you're already down in Las Vegas getting ready for some exciting bracelet events, then on the morning of Monday, June 27th, uh, we're having a little Rec Poker get-together at the Bally's WSOP Cafe. So mm-hmm. it's very close to where the action's happening. Um, we'll put some signs up if they'll let us. <laughs> <laughs> and we're basically just going to try and get there. That's going to be at 10 a.m. So from 10 to 1130 or so, we'll just be hanging out there, um, swapping stories and uh, shaking hands and having a good time. Uh, because the redraw for the tag team event is at noon uh, in that very building. So it's going to be some fun happening down in Las Vegas next week. But we're kicking it all off at Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino um, this Friday and Saturday. And then it's like July. Oh my God. Like the summer's here. And like, uh, that's the main event. Yes, it is, sir. Yes, it is. Um, I, I, I'm really doing myself a disservice because I'm not practicing enough, studying enough, playing enough. I've been talking poker with all my rec poker friends and I got to hope that that's going to be a bit of an edge. Um, but I'm really, I'm looking forward to knocking some rust off in the, uh, in the rec poker weekend bounty series at, um, at running aces, I am going to be a bounty in the running aces tournaments. So it's never been easier to claim a bounty at running aces. Uh, <laughs> just come and knock me at, knock my rusty ass out of the tournament and uh, come and claim your prize. That's going to be a lot of fun. Well, uh, Chris, what else? Is there anything else that we should uh, touch on before we let this gang roll on out of here? Uh, I don't think so. Well, if you are listening to this on the 24th, uh, just know we were not having a live episode Good point. on the 27th because of all the stuff going on and because of the tag team event. And uh, so we will not be having a, a live event on Monday, the 27th. 7th. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there won't be a podcast recording that night. Um, we actually recorded that week's episode just a few hours ago with Kara Scott, which was a really fun interview. I'm looking forward to that airing, uh, later that week. And, um, uh, and then we're coming right back July 4th. We are going to do a show on Monday night, July 4th, July 11th on the 18th. We're getting, uh, Chris Fox Wallace back on the show. He's got a new book out that he's really excited about. On July 25th, Sarah Steffen is going to be joining us from Poker Power. Poker Power. Yeah. 
On August 1st, it's uh, Clayton Fletcher from the TPE oh, cool. podcast. So a lot of your favorite folks are going to be coming by Rec Poker over the next little while. And of course, we also do the forums edition every week when we want to just get together and talk strategies. So maybe we'll see if some of the poker guys want to come back and talk strat on uh, one of those forums editions, Chris. What do you think? Could I, they would be great. They would yep. be great to get their 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 feedback. It's true. We'd have to open up the time limit on that those episodes, maybe stretch those out a little bit. But that sounds like a fun way to do it. All right. Well, I want to thank uh, our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. See you Friday. And of course, uh, Mark Brashan and Website Amp, uh, the Poker Guys, Chris Jones, everyone in the chat, and you, the listeners. Thanks, everyone.